is Digital Marketer. Today, it's Danielle Leslie. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and today we're going to be talking all about online course creation with Danielle Leslie. She's the creator of Course From Scratch, where she teaches you to turn your passion or expertise into a profitable online course. She herself has earned over $8 million in revenue from that one course, and she's also helped over 4,000 students launch their own and earn millions in revenue along the way. In our conversation, we talk about a few different things, starting first with where to even start if you're thinking of launching a course. She takes us step-by-step through the process. We also discuss if it's still a good time to launch a course with the potential right now for a little virtual saturation. And she also digs into her framework for what she calls tasty content. Now that's an acronym and I'm not going to reveal what everything stands for, but it's a way to create content that your audience will devour. And it works for every morsel you create, whether it's an Instagram post or a three hour course. So Danielle definitely knows her stuff. And I learned so much from her in this episode. And I think you will too. Here it is. I actually want to start at the beginning before you launched your course, before you launched your Culture Ad Labs, before any of this happened. Who were you? Where did you learn to love marketing and business? Oh, wow. Yeah. So who was I? I was a girl who never felt like she quite belonged in social environments Mm. and in professional environments, always loved and really reveled in being different. So it was this interesting duality growing up. And so prior to the courses and marketing and everything, I guess my love and interest started when I was in college. I went to Berkeley. So I was in the startup world and I was just kind of in it. You know, I remember one of my like web design classes is back in like 2006 or something. And Tim Westrogen, the founder of Pandora came in and he was Mm -hmm. just talking about, you know, internet radio and he had pitched all these investors. And so, you know, that was kind of like an opening for me of, I want to go into this magical world where you can create this thing online and you can have people give you money and then you can reach (laughs) all kinds of people and then you can sell your business. So that's kind of what opened my door to it. And then getting into the business, I realized that I've been a marketer since before I can remember. I mean, in high school, right? In middle school, running for the queen of the little dance that we had, our little holiday dance, and creating the flyers and printing them out on our like Canon jet jet printer, like, you know, putting them up and not really feeling like I was popular having friends, but, you know, doing marketing campaigns in real time, what they looked like back then. So being liked, you know, being someone who did well to others and things like that. So when I think about it, I'm like, you know, the marketing kind of started back in middle school. Um, (laughs) That was my first campaign. And it, it became formalized, I would say, after college. My very first internship was an SEO internship. So I got to work for one of these guys who lived in the Berkeley Hills. He was like early to building a database and keyword optimization, like all this stuff. And I remember learning from him and it was a brand new world. And then after that, it was an internship at an ad agency and I did SEO research there. So that was kind of my introduction into the world. 
during like college times. I feel like it's so cool to get that introduction into SEO as like kind of your first little like toe dip into it. Because if you can figure out how people are finding you like on their own, you're in such a better place to find out how to bring people in, you know, pull them such in. Such a good point. Yeah. I never actually thought about that. That's such a good point. And it's interesting because I would say even in college, I majored in rhetoric, which is a really strange major. I think they only offered it like <laughs> That is. Colleges. What does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? All it meant is persuasive communication. You know, are you mm. able to interpret a film or a document or anything and interpret it and then also write an argument and persuade someone. So it's like, I realize now in my work, that's crucial, right? And so you're right, kind of the major in rhetoric and then the the SEO was really key in building an understanding of your audience and what they're looking for and what's resonating. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's cool. So yeah, you have all these little puzzle pieces that like kind of came together to create this this perfect package. That sounds like I'm I'm like your mother and I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> your perfect package. Um, you're perfect in your own way. Yeah. So all these things came together and created you and your business. And tell me a little bit about what you do now. Sure. So I guess right. What kind of led to this is I co-founded a startup and did this whole journey ended up moving back in with my mom with no money, no job. And that's when I discovered online courses. I remember seeing a video of Brendan Burchard that my friend sent me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what is this? And this was in 2011. And I remember staying up until 3 a.m. and just taking notes and realizing there's this whole world that some people had been hinting at, but I didn't really get it. And so after that, that's when I launched my first online course by just watching a ton of webinars. And back then, you know, there were resources, but not nearly as many as today. Mm-hmm. So I just found everything I could. And I enrolled in my first course for $67. I could barely afford it by Pam Slim. And it was called Power Teaching. And it taught you how to teach online and help your students get results. So I did that. I launched my first course in 2012 and did all the things. Made it super complicated. And I got <laughs> one sale. But that was a great learning for me. And after that, that's when I realized, you know, I love this work. I want to work with a mentor. Like I've got to learn this thing from someone else more closely because trying to do this on my own is not cutting it. So that's when I reached out to Udemy because at the time they were one of the few leaders in the market. And so they had tens of thousands of online courses. They had all these course creators. So I reached out to them and I said, Hey, I've launched my own course. Here's what I've created. You know, at that point, it was a hodgepodge of things, webinars, email list building and stuff I had done. And they were like, Oh my gosh, like, yes come, uh, you're hired. So I worked at Udemy for almost three years full time. And it was the best crash course you could ever get. Not just in online courses, online education, uh, because, you know, I would work at my job and then I would go home and still stay up until 2am <laughs> watching webinars, learning about marketing. But it was also to learn about human behavior and learn about the same doubts that a lot of us have mm-hmm. from the celebrity I got to work with who had you know over a million Twitter followers and this huge following who was launching his first online course, seeing the same doubts and big questions as a kid's yoga teacher with a YouTube channel and as the guy who was a hobbyist photographer who had been doing photography for like a year but did it for free but still wanted to teach people. So it was a lot of learning human behavior and how we doubt ourselves and how 
it took a lot of those people forever to launch because they locked themselves in the cave and they would be creating the perfect course for eight months. And so I was able to help them through that process. And I was able to take what I learned from the startup world, which is, you know, minimum viable product, Mm. done is better than perfect, get it out there, pre-sell it, create it as you go. Taking that principle and applying it to the online course world was crucial. So while I was there, I just learned like when you create a course, when you finally do, it attracts amazing opportunities and you can create a course on anything. I worked with a singer, like all these people who now are making six figures a year from courses on any topic. So after Udemy, I actually worked at another company for a little bit. And after about seven months there, they did a layoff and I was a part of it. So that's Mm -hmm. when I got pushed into kind of like where I am now, where it was like, all right, what are you going to do? Are you going to get that next full-time job or are you actually going to make this thing happen? And luckily, yeah. And I was really about to punk out. Like I was really ready (laughs) to go apply for their job. But that weekend was Friendsgiving weekend. And my friend said, wait, wait, you're available can I like hire you to like consult with me on this thing? And then my other friend found out two days later, she's like, can I hire you to help me with our online course? So within that first month, I had over $10,000 from consulting that was all around online courses. Mm -hmm. So that was the beginning of this. And and I just started by working with one-on-one clients, individuals, then it was business owners, then it was corporate clients. Then I did some group coaching. And then finally, nine months later, I launched my current program course from scratch. And again, I wasn't ready, but I had a friend who had me speak at her conference and she said, can you do a, like a webinar? Like one of those webinar things, like when we get back from the conference, because people still want to learn more. And I said, if you do not pre-sell on this webinar, you are going to regret this. So that forced Mm -hmm. me to just teach the class. And at the end I was like, okay, this is how you get paid for your skills and expertise here's some ways to do it. One way is an online course. Here's how you do that. If you want to join me, I'm helping people. And people signed up. And I was like, okay, I guess I have to create this thing. Now. And that was <laughs> yeah. kind of like the beginning of, of yeah, leading up to this point. Yeah. So one thing that I really want to hear more about is the concept of culture ad. And from what I know, <laughs> from what I've heard in my research that anyone can do it and that it's basically about being yourself. Could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So yeah, I do believe we are all a culture ad. We all have our own cultural advantage and it comes from this concept of being a culture fit and fitting in. And so if we think about it, you know, growing up, like we're taught to fit in, like that's how you survive, like survival of the fittest to fit in. Uh, (laughs) Because if you're in a herd and you're running and everyone's got stripes and you have polka dots, you're going to get shot first. So it Mm. really comes from like, no, 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 you need to fit in. And so we're trained from a young age to do that. If we stand out, we get bullied, we get singled out. And so that kind of carries into the workplace. And when I was working at various startups, when we were hiring candidates, we would say, is this person a culture fit? And I saw that at first that meant, oh yeah, do they, you know, have the same values as us? But I also saw, well, there are some things that we are not doing on purpose, but thinking about, oh, do they fit in with us? Do they walk like us, talk like us, eat like us, sound like us? Are they from where we're from? Like, did they go to the same Ivy League school? And if the answer is no, then we pass on them. And we're like, well, they don't fit in here. And so Mm -hmm. I heard someone say, we don't think 
are you a culture fit? But we ask, are you a culture ad? And I heard that at this HR innovations panel years ago by a woman who worked for Medium at the time. And I said, that's it. I mentioned, you know, growing up, I felt like I didn't belong in social settings, but in professional settings, I felt like what made me different made me valuable. Mm. And so that concept is what I realized has helped me throughout my life. Lean into what made me different. Lean into what helped me add diversity add a unique perspective. So your culture ad is really just looking at your identity. So your race, ethnicity, so the fact that I'm a black woman, millennial, you know, grew up with the MySpace and the blogger and things like that. That's part of my (laughs) culture ad. It might be your race or religion. You know, I have students who are Muslim and they teach about nutrition, health and wellness with your faith, you know, from that perspective. It could be then your upbringing, right? So we have students who grew up in a military household. Both parents worked in the military, so they moved around a lot. And when they were younger, they saw that as a drawback. But I'm like, yo, like you have an experience that so many others have. You can actually lean into that and tell your story. And you can help others by saying the skills I learned from growing up in a military household, which is adapting, making new friends and creating the network I need to be successful. I learned that from my childhood. So it's really a matter of just looking at how you grew up, your identity, anything special about you, where you've been, the things that maybe you were ashamed of before, but actually bringing those to light and amplifying them because there are people just like you who are waiting for someone like you Mm -hmm. to say, I've been there too. Uh, I have a student, you know, she was a single mom and she co-parents her son and she actually grew up in a co-parented household. And as a profession, she's a mediator working at a nonprofit organization. So because she's a single mom, she's able to help other single moms successfully co-parent their sons. You know, other people can't teach that. So yes, your culture ad is really you looking at, okay, what are those things about my childhood that maybe I've been running from that actually made me who I am that give me a unique lens to teach someone else from my experience? Hmm. So how do you kind of combine that with the course material as you're going to create it? And just as another question to add on to that, do you feel like that helps to get rid of the imposter syndrome you might be feeling when, when you're creating that course? That is so big. Yes. You hit it on the head. I believe that when you're creating your course or frankly, any offer that it starts with your story, it starts with your culture ad. So that is absolutely the antidote to imposter syndrome, Mm. because when you say it starts with my story, then your first step is sitting down and writing out your story and writing out, well, you can look at three different buckets, R-E-S. You can look at the results you've gotten in your life. You can look at experiences you've had. So these are the lived experiences that maybe you were ashamed of. You can look at skills. So R-E-S, results, experiences, and skills. That's how you can start thinking about your culture ad and how it can be useful in creating your course. So once you make that list, results, experiences, or skills, then you can zero in on which one you want to teach. And that starts to hint at the type of person you can help. And how Mm -hmm. I like to say R-E-S, because it helps you get respect in the market, (laughs) R-E-S-P-C-T, because it is your lived experience. And it also resonates, R-E-S-O-N-A-T-E-S, with the audience because it's your story. So you're showing up as your full self and connecting with them in a real way. So that is the first step in figuring out what can I teach and who can I teach it to? That's really cool. Let me 
kind of dig in a little more because right now we're in a special time when there's probably a lot of people thinking, how can I make money? How can I make money with the things that I know? How can I make money with the things that only I've experienced or the skills that I have? Do you think now is the time to strike or do you feel like it's about to become really saturated? Oh my gosh. Now is the time. Absolutely. And when you start with your culture ad, now is always the time. There is no such thing as saturation because there's no such thing as someone else having the results, experiences, and skills you have. No one else has your, your lived experiences. And the way I think about it is from what Esther Perel talked about in the different economies we've lived in. So with our grandparents' generation, it was the labor-based economy. So they went to work and they got paid for labor. Then with our parents' generation, it was the service-based economy. So that was going to work, maybe doing consulting services, financial accounting services, and getting paid. Today, in this new generation, is what she called the identity economy, where you bring your whole self to work. And what I'm calling really the culture ad economy. So I think from this day forth, we are in the culture ad economy. We have tech and automation that can do the services, that can do the labor. What they cannot do is show up as us with our unique experience, with our problem-solving skills, and with our story. So yes, I believe that right now we're in the culture ad economy. And so you creating a unique offering in the market is a part of that. And then you being able to target a niche that no one else is or other people can't reach is coming from your culture ad. So absolutely. And the first step is, again, just figuring out what is my story and then who can I help with that story? And then how mm-hmm. am I going to deliver it to them and get paid for it? Yeah. So going into kind of the next step, once you've decided this is who I am, this is who I want to be in front of people. I mean, I think you kind of have to decide which which buckets you're filling, right? Once you've decided all that, what do you do afterwards? So you've got your culture ad and then you have your customer, right? So you've thought about who can benefit most from my culture ad, from my story. And then you really think about how you want to solve that problem for that person. If it is an online course, then what I recommend is to teach people live. So your next step would actually be getting on the phone with those potential customers and just having a conversation with them and finding out, is this really something you need? What do you need help with? What are your goals? And just having an open-ended conversation to figure it out. Have like three to five of those conversations. And I promise you that will boost your confidence so much. I've had so many students have those conversations, be unclear about what they're teaching, imposter syndrome, like you mentioned, but they get off the call and they're like, oh my gosh, not only is this needed in the market, but they're willing to pay a premium for this. So like, I've got to create this. So I would say that's the next step. And then it is then having those conversations, enrollment conversations. So one thing I talk a lot about is tasty content. And so tasty content, it just stands for, it's content that teaches your audience something. It gives them action steps. It solves an urgent pain point. It transforms them from point A to point B, or it addresses their deeper why. And it's all in your voice. So that's like the tasty kind of content framework. And you can do that in a simple Instagram post. So going back to your culture ad, you pull up a little photo of yourself and you write about a story, right? And you're like, oh man, 
I remember that time when I went out on a limb, started a business, it failed, I had to move back in with my mom. This photo right here is me at that table in my hoodie, figured my life out. But what I did next, I never saw coming. I was able to study up, follow this framework and increase my credit score and go on to buy my first real estate property, investment property. And fast forward to today, I now have a full portfolio and I've had people reaching out who want mentorship and I'm ready to finally do that. That would be an example of how you just take your culture ad. So your result experience or skill that you chose that you're going to teach. And then you put that after you've gotten on the phone conversations with people, you know what they're looking for. And you put that all together in that tasty piece of content and you invite people to an enrollment conversation that you can have over the phone if you want to keep it super low tech, which I love to do. And that's kind of it. And that's how you can pre-sell your course. So once you've pre-sold one course to a, a few people, when do you start releasing content and how does that work? Are you doing it on the fly? Yeah. So the method I teach is the MVC method, which stands for minimum viable course. And this is, again, just back to my roots in Silicon Valley and learning about the MVP, minimum viable product, and then adapting that because that's what I did when I launched my first course in 2012. I did an MVC. And all it means is a live version of your course. So it's basically live group coaching. So after you get those sales, you pick a start date. And then before that start date, you only need a few things to actually get your students results. The first Mm -hmm. is coming up with your big promise statement, right? So what is the point B that you're going to get people to by the end of your program? So that's it. So write that down. I'm going to take them from point A to over here, point B. That's done. Then you make your list of milestones. Okay, these are the three to five major steps that someone has to complete to go from point A to point B. So you narrow it down to very specific and measurable milestones. So three to five major milestones, you write those down and then you break that down. So let's say you have four milestones. You're like, in order for someone to, let's say, develop their own plant-based diet regimen to lower their blood pressure, there's four milestones. And the first is doing a self-assessment, right? And just looking what's in my kitchen, what am I doing now, right? Maybe that's the first milestone. And you have four milestones that's going to align to the length of your live course. So one milestone per week, usually. So you'd have a four week program with four milestones and then you teach it live. So you'd make sure that, okay, my class is starting next week. You'd make sure that you're only focusing on creating the lessons necessary so that they can get that first milestone done. So the first milestone is an assessment on their current situation so that they can set a new goal Then ask yourself, what is the minimum amount of information I need to teach them to have them meet that first milestone? And that's the only thing you prepare. And I'm a slides girl, so I would personally have like 10 slides or something. But a simple framework, you know, for you to follow is the CAR framework where you have concept. What's a concept I can teach them? And then a case study. What's a case study I can give them that exemplifies this? And then A is for action. Now, you know, set a timer with them live and have them take an action so they can get something done in that live session with you. And then R is for results. What is that? Then And the results of the milestone that they'll get after all of that. So as long as you structure it like that, every week, you're just focusing on the next week's lessons to help them meet that one milestone. Hmm. Do you often add homework and things for them to stay attached kind of during the rest of the week? Or do you feel like they need to get it done in that time with you? Always homework. Yes. So the live 
is just to get them started. As you know, a lot of us will get the information, we'll be on there, be like, yeah, 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 I'm about to, I'm about to do this. And then you get <laughs> home and you're left to the voices in your head and you don't make act, take action on it. So that's really just to jumpstart them. Yeah. So you'll set the timer, say, okay, in two minutes, I want you to start on X, Y, Z. One of my favorite sayings is done is better than perfect. So you're basically trying to nudge them and remember done is better than perfect. Let's just get whatever you can done in two minutes and then say, now for homework, I want you to continue this exercise and get, you know, one, two, three done. Yeah. And then they do that on their own time and share it with you before the next meeting. Okay. And then I guess after that, it's just a matter of the next milestone and the next and then the next. Let's talk a little bit about having a community during this time. Do you often include that element or do you just kind of let them let them do their thing and then get together at the same time? So I would say it depends on the stage and it depends on you. So when I did my first MVC for Course from Scratch. So Course from Scratch was the fourth program that I had created. I still did an MVC. (laughs) And so I did a live version of it with four people. And because it was such a small group, I didn't have a community. So as it got larger though, and when I did my full launch, then I did create a private Facebook group for them. So what I would recommend is, yeah, starting out, if you just got a small group, you don't necessarily need a group. You know, you can just have them send you their homework over email. Again, I like to keep it low tech. And what I would recommend is creating boundaries around the ways they reach out to you. Mm. If you kind of have, have it all open and you're like, yep, we got a Facebook group, email me anytime, text me anytime. Like that's how you'll get burnt out really quickly. So in the beginning, I'm like, okay, the lines of communication are when we're live here, we're going to, you know, learn for 45 minutes, then we'll ask questions for 15 minutes, and then you'll do your homework and you'll email me your homework by Friday. And then we'll come back next week, right? That's a system I would follow for your first few. And then once you start growing right now, if you have a larger program, we're now at like 4,500 students in the program. So we've got our private Facebook group, but we've structured it in a way that streamlines all communication. So I've been in a lot of groups where you've just got people who feel Like they're not being heard because they're just posting in the group and they're tagging the course creator and they're tagging their assistants and they're like, no one's listening. And so what we did is we just created a pinned post that is a pinned questions thread. So there's one thread for all your questions. And I shot a video to just explain, here's the best way to ask your question. You know, give us context, give us details about what you've tried and what you need feedback on, provide links if relevant. And they post it on this one thread. And then my head coach goes in and every day, Monday through Friday, she'll just go to that one thread and she'll answer all the students' questions. And we have a turnaround time of 24 hours. And she's able to do that because it's all in one place. So she doesn't have to hop around, you know, in the group. So yeah, so I would say if you do do the group, think about ways to streamline communication for you, for your sanity, but also for your students. You know, our students feel heard, they feel seen, and it's great feedback for us to know that everyone's getting responded to, but also gaps that we have in the course curriculum. Yeah, you can kind of see where you want to add new content or what kind of bonuses afterwards. So once the program has ended, what does that close look like? How do you, if they already got something from you, like what are the next steps to keep them as customers? I guess there are a few options. So I'll say that I've gone with, I guess, if there's a spectrum of, let's call it 
conservative and liberal, I would say I'm, I'm on the far left probably. Mine is lifetime access. So in my program, when you join, it's a $2,000 program. You have lifetime access to the course and the community and our coaching. So that means everyone in our Facebook group who has joined the course from scratch at some time, they still have access to the group for a lifetime. Same with the course and then same with the coaching, right? And the reason we're able to do that is because we created a very scalable model because we do coaching once a week, every Tuesday, whether we have five students or 50,000 students, it's still, you know, two hours of our time every week or one hour of our time. So that's the model I've chosen. It works because we are getting ready to roll out with our advanced program. And so this will be for people who want to scale their courses now that they've launched their minimum viable course, even though we have students who have done over a million just from their minimum. Uh-huh. They're, they're like killing it. But what we want to offer for those who weren't able to, to get there, we have an advanced program that's going to help them, you know, use basically what I did. You know, I was able to grow this from zero to a million in two years by myself at that time. I didn't have a team, but it was because of the simplicity of the systems. So that's mm-hmm. what we're teaching in that program. So I would say the benefit of keeping our students in the community uh, for a lifetime is because when we announce that program, we're still in contact with them. You know, they're still getting our coaching. We're still top of mind for them. So it's not like we've, you know, gone cold. So we'll have people, you know, go into that next program seamlessly. But I would say the other options would be what I did in the beginning, which was I said, okay, this is a four-week program and these are the milestones and we're going to hit them and then that's it. And, you know, that was it. So I would say in the beginning, you have those clear milestones. You're working with a smaller group. So you're actually able to coach and give accountability to each individual person. And because of that high level of accountability, they're going to finish in that time frame. Right. So with that, I would recommend that you just say, this is a four-week program or an eight-week program, and that's it. And then if you want, like, you know, there are great models out there, of course, where people have the ongoing subscription model. So after you pay the 2K for our program, that comes with six months free of our monthly coaching. But after those six months, then it's, you know, $79 a month, $39 a month, you know, and you can remain in the community and get our coaching. So I think that's another great model that I see mm-hmm. a lot. When you're launching a new course, do you create new communities for every single course? So then you have multiple or do you kind of try to keep them into one main group? It depends on your approach to creating products. So how you view a product suite or an ascension ladder. Like Mm -hmm. in my case, I am a minimalist to the core. So I still just have one course, you know, for the last, it's been three and a half years. And we're two months away from that one course doing 10 million in revenue. And that's because I focused on one. However, I know that there are other people where they've decided to do multiple courses. And so what I would say is if you decide to do, let's say, the model where you've got a product suite of like 10 different programs, like maybe every few months for a few years are coming out with a new program and maybe it's a $200 to $500 program. What I've seen work really well is having one massive like free group for all your leads and then one massive paid group for anyone who's in any of your courses. And that Mm -hmm. way you don't have like 20 different communities to manage. And every time you create a new course, you, you know, you have a new community. Gotcha. Do you recommend launching a new course off the back of a course that's ending or separating them as far as possible? 
I would look at your goals. So for instance, I would, when you're starting out, set your line for, I want my first course to make this much before I switch to the next thing, Mm, before I create the next thing. And that will help you stay focused. I get this question a lot, you know, what's the difference between the people who have done really well and like the people who just haven't figured it out? What have you seen with your clients? And I'm like, well, the ones who have gotten to where they wanted to go just stayed the course. That's the only difference. They just committed So to this day, all of our biggest success stories, they all have one course, like multiple people have made over a million in a couple of years from one course. And it's because they stayed focused. So I would say, come up with that number for yourself. Stay focused on that. I really benefited from just relaunching the same program. And that's how I think it it grew so quickly is because I really mastered the funnel. I mastered the audience. Mm -hmm. I mastered storytelling and, you know, serving the customers so that they spread the word, all of that. And because of that, that reduced like stress on my part because I don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time. Yeah. And it also just helped me serve uh, the community much better. So I would recommend finding that. And then if you do create a second course, my recommendation to again, reduce your learning curve is to create a course that is for that same customer. But maybe it's just an advanced course or maybe it's a counterpart, right? But I would do it so that it's still for that same customer. So you can leverage the same kind of marketing message. You can leverage the same audience. Your existing customers can move into it and all of that. Mm, Okay, that all makes sense. Let's get into pricing. I'm sure you get this question a lot. And I know you like to tell your own customers that they should think of themselves as a premium brand. So with that, do you think that they're pricing themselves too low when they start? Where is that line at? So I do believe that you can be a premium brand from day one. I think we look out in the market and we see this message of you've got to work your way up. You've got to start with a free checklist and then do a $19 ebook and then a $49 class and then a $50 in person, you know, I'm doing a book tour or event thing. So buy a ticket, you know, and slowly work our way up. And that's really not the case. That's not required. And in fact, when you do that, you are missing out on being seen as a premium brand from day one. And that could actually maybe diminish, you know, someone's view of your brand because they're like, mm-hmm. wait, you were selling a $19 and now you're trying to do this to that. Wait, what's happening? So I would encourage people by saying, remember that it starts with your culture ad. It always goes back to that. And the fact that you have a unique experience, a unique set of results, unique experiences, unique skills that you're teaching this very niche audience means you can price a premium for that because there are less suppliers in the market, right? There's way more demand for you and your unique skill set. So what I would say is in order to put yourself in the best position to price yourself at a premium is to lean into your culture ad. But I talk about it in two ways. There's what I call the Michelle Obama effect and the urgency care effect. Michelle Obama effect is, you know, she's gotten the most sales of a memoir in history. I think she's sold Mm -hmm. like the most copies. She's got the record for that. And the question is, well, why, you know, and a memoir is you telling your story, right? So people uh, really love and go to her because of who she is, how she shows up in the market. And she's leaned into her story. We know all about her childhood, her upbringing, her family, the time in the White House. So when you are going into the market, ask yourself, how can I remember 
and position myself using the Michelle Obama effect. So how can I really lean into my story, where I've come from, and what that's built into who I am today? Who have I helped along the way? Who have I been an advocate for? What are the things I'm fighting for in the market that no one else is? All of those things give you that Michelle Obama effect. So that's the first Mm -hmm. thing is really owning and telling your story in that way. And then the second piece of that is the urgent care effect. So yes, you're going to command the respect, right? You've got the RES that's getting you respect like Michelle Obama, but then it's like, okay, how do you get your RES to resonate with the audience? And it's the urgent care effect. So how can you remind them that there's a sense of urgency, that this is something that they can benefit from now, that this is something that requires action now? One way to do that in your copy is to remember people that they have an opportunity to join a movement. So in simple example, this could be done in email copy, LinkedIn, it doesn't matter. In your message, you start with your story. You say, I've been able to X, Y, Z when before I couldn't. And because of that, I've learned that. And then you say the things you've learned and you teach, teach, teach. And you say, and therefore, I know that today more than ever, we have an opportunity to come together and make sure that this doesn't happen to anyone else. So if you are watching this and you are also a parent or you know a parent who wants to show up for their kids in a new way and create a healthy home and you want help with the homeschooling, the curriculum, tag a parent below, message them, but you know, let's come together as a community and help educate the next generation of kids. If you believe in this, join me in this movement, right? So that would be like the urgent care effect where you're involving everyone and saying, no, this is something urgent that we can all help with right now. So those Mm -hmm. are two ways you could help start to position yourself in your content so that you are premium brands. Yeah. I think those are some really cool thought exercises, even just going to give everyone like and put a timer on, give you 30 seconds to think of those. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Um, actually not going to put a timer on, but I believe that they can do it themselves. <laughs> they can just pause, pause yes. and think for a minute. Those are really great questions and points. We're kind of getting to the end of the hour. And before I dig into our last question, I just like to know, like, where can people find you? Where can they find out more about your course or follow you on social? What are all your Absolutely. handles? Yeah, absolutely. So I am Danielle Leslie across Instagram. I'm most active. My website is daniellelesley.com. And then if they want to get my video series or masterclass, you can just go to coursefromscratch.com. Cool. All super easy to remember. Literally Mm -hmm. her name. (laughs) I believe in all of you. (laughs) Oh, and Um, actually I'll share one more thing since we talked so much about the culture ad, we have a culture ad quiz. So this helps you uncover your culture ad and shows you what you could create a course around. And it even gives Mm -hmm. you an example at the end when you get your results of your culture ad type. We give you an example of someone who's already created a course like you, who's in that same culture ad type and what they've done and what they've created and how much they've made. So yeah, if you want to take that, it's myculturead.com. So just my, M-Y-C-U-L-T-U-R-E-A-D-D.com. I'm totally going to take that. I just need to know. (laughs) Yes. I want to know. I want to know know your results. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be like, is weird. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So last question that we ask of every first time guest on the podcast, Danielle, if you could go back in time and tell young Danielle, you know, who's maybe, maybe uh, running for like the dance homecoming 
queen or, you know, putting up the flyers and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. If you could tell that Danielle anything at all, what would you tell her? Um, I would tell her that you've already won. You've already won everything. An amazing dream life, an amazing family, amazing connections and friends, not to spend a moment worrying about that, that you've already won. It's already yours. I love that. That I'm crying a little bit. I'm tearing up a little bit. I know. I actually <laughs> got emotional when I was like, let me not tell her. But yes, I was definitely over here in my in my tears, in my feelings a little bit. In my tear <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that question yeah. because for that exact reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Danielle, this was just really awesome. And I think everyone listening learned a lot about their unique value and how they can use that to create their own dream life. And maybe all you guys need to know out there is that you've also already won. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was really, really great. To everyone out there listening, thank you so much for your time. It means a lot to have a little bit of your day each week. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.